We Saved You a Seat is a podcast sponsored by the Oklahoma Family Network. The Oklahoma Family Network focuses on supporting families of children and youth with special needs via emotional support, resource navigation, and ensuring quality health care for all children and their families through strong and effective family partnerships. Today we have Deanne. Deanne, um, can you say hello and can you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Deanne. Uh, I have been very excited to be here today to talk a little bit more about mental health. Yeah, I'm um, actually very um, intrigued to hear what you have to say. This is a very popular topic. Um, I wouldn't say trending, but it's a very needed topic to discuss. And I like that it's coming to the forefront um, where we can have podcast discussions like this. Can you give us a little bit of background information about how you um, came about to be involved um, with mental health issues and um, why it sparks um, interest with you? I sure can. Um, I first had uh, my first foray into mental health issues actually with myself. Um, I was working full time. My husband was staying home and our second biological daughter started having a lot of issues with um, get epilepsy, was having migraines, needed to stay home, um, had to pull her out of a private school. And I was really struggling because I felt like she needed to be comfortable. She was not doing well in the school setting we had her. And I started suffering with what I found out later was depression. And my doctor put me on medication. I was not excited about that. I had was driving to work every day in downtown Pittsburgh and carrying a bucket with me, throwing up in this bucket on the way to work. I quit eating, was not feeling well at all, and my doctor explained that this was depression. Of course, I thought, no, I'm not the kind of person who has depression, but he explained that sometimes your brain just needs to help. And I thought, okay, well, I'll try this medication for a little while. And I did, and I began to feel better. Um, and so we kind of went from there. And I eventually quit work and stayed home with my kids, our two kids. We moved back to Oklahoma as the back to her. And we got things settled here and eventually decided to do foster care. And so we fostered a baby and fostered her for two years. And during that time, we thought, oh, we can do this. We have taken care of our own biological children. We can do foster care. This is a deal. And began to realize that the child that we were fostering had significant issues as her. She would cry constantly. And they told us she didn't test positive for drugs at first, but she was crying constantly, severe separation anxiety. We had no idea what we were doing with. We didn't realize at that point that there were some health issues going on because again, who thinks those things at that point? Mm -hmm. And then later we adopted two more children who were nine and ten years old. The oldest of those children uh, began to have severe issues. Uh, you know, this carpet picking, picking hairs out of the carpet. Uh, she began digging the trash, digging the food out of the outside trash. She was picking bears out of the carpets on the stairs, picking all the edges off the candles, picking the paint off the walls. Mm -hmm. 
she began to get very almost violent. She would throw these huge fits that would not stop. They would happen in the middle of Walmart, in the middle of Target. And I honestly thought I was a bad parent. I thought they didn't listen well in the classes that we attended through DHS. Nobody talked to us about mental health issues. So I never dreamed that these were mental health issues. And we were falling apart. Our family was falling apart. I was homeschooling all of the kids at this point. I didn't understand what was happening. I was trying to go to, even just going to a store was impossible before. I, I didn't know what to do. My depression was coming back. I went to my doctor just said, I need medications. They put me on some medication for depression, but nothing was helping. I didn't dare tell anybody what was going on mm-hmm. because I thought they would think I was a bad parent. So our home life was simply imploding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of our children were in dire straits. My second biological child I knew was anxious as all get out that I didn't recognize that. Um, our youngest child at that point was beginning to have horrible outbursts. She would, she would, we had to put locks on the very top of the door because she was trying to run away. Everything was imploding, and I knew nothing about what to do. And it just got worse and worse and worse. My husband's escape at that point was he was part of the thousands in Oklahoma uh, with the opioid epidemic. And became addicted to opioids and that was his escape so I didn't escape I was just trying to deal with this he ended up going to rehab and I was left in this home with these children and this one child in particular and I didn't want to tell anybody because I thought I was a bad parent and I thought everybody around me was a bad parent and as we moved forward I finally picked up the phone and I thought something's got to and so I just started looking through the phone book, looking through the internet on behavior. And as I was looking at behaviors, somehow I ended up finding the National Alliance on Mental Health. And as I saw the behaviors and I saw some of that information, I went, oh my gosh, mental illness, maybe this is it. And so I called their office and they said they had a class called basic but nobody was teaching it right then but they had a class called family to family and they said you could come to that class it won't be exactly what you need but you could come to that class and it might help you so i went to that class and the whole first class was three hours i cried the entire first class Mm -hmm. i don't think i heard anything that was said that first class because the only thing i could think of was I'm not alone, and other people are dealing with this, and I'm not a bad parent. This Mm -hmm. is not my fault. There are other people out there dealing with the same issues. Yeah, yeah, that is, I mean, it's out of desperate times, you find connection, and, um, and it's, it's just, it's almost like you hit your low, but then that connection brings you back to the surface level. Yes. And um, so how did Oklahoma Family Network, where did they play into this story? Well, it's amazing. As we went 
forward through the National Alliance on Mental Illness, we began to feel much more empowered. We learned about resources. We learned that there were partial hospitalization resources. We learned that there were inpatient resources. And we began to, our daughter went to a partial hospitalization resource. She got to the point she attempted suicide multiple times. Um, she was inpatient multiple times. And as we began to get to a point where we felt much more empowered and we learned how to talk the talk. We learned how to work with the uh, medical personnel we were dealing with. We learned strategies to deal with our own home. Uh, we learned, we started working with Northcare, who uh, did some of the outpatient processes and began to help us get our home back in order. Um, we somehow got connected with the Oklahoma Family Network. And through that, we began to realize that there are other resources out there who can help families like us. And so Scott and I decided after he got everything cleaned up, our family kind of began to get back in order. We all got into counseling. And we decided, you know, we need to share this information with other families because I know there are other, and we had begun to meet other families who had gone through adoption and had failed, had failed adoption mm -hmm. because they didn't have resources out there like this. And so we went through and got trained to be uh, facilitators for basic class. And at the end of that class, we always have a session on resources community resources that are available. And that's where we got hooked up with Oklahoma Family Network. Because all of our people who come to these classes, there's not one of the people, one person who comes to these classes. When you have a child who has a mental health issue, nine times out of 10, there is a comorbid issue. Um, all of my kids who have mental health issues have either a learning disability, uh, something else is going on. They all have ADHD. Uh, one of my kids has uh, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. One has bipolar disorder. Um, another one has, two of my kids have autism. Uh, there are multiple other issues that are going on as well. Uh, some of the teachers, uh, some of the families we work with have kids with um, a very low IQ. Some of them have hearing disabilities, some have vision disabilities. And so OFN is able to come in on that last class and help all of those families with all of the other services that are available to them and are able to show them these are other resources that are available, not just for mental health issues, but also for other issues that are available to them. So it kind of broadens the scope because the majority of families out there who are dealing with mental health issues are in crisis the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. They may have times where they can kind of take a breath when the kid is inpatient or in a partial hospitalization time but it's rare that they have time that they can step back and go, okay, I need to look at other resources that are available. Mm -hmm. 
So this gives OFN, it's so good about giving options that are out there. And it gives, when the parent can step back and go, okay, I need to plan ahead. You know, what are the resources that will be available for them as they transition into adulthood? Mm -hmm. Those are things, you know, when your child is punching holes in the wall, those are things that you're not thinking about. Yeah. This child will need to transition into adulthood safely. And OSN is really good about helping them find the resources necessary to get them into adulthood safely. OSN kind of just provides that hope. And yes, yeah, yes. so that's yes. just it's wonderful to hear family after family, um, you know, how OFIN has come in underneath them and kind of just held them up and you know, carried them through and guiding them and holding their hand. And you know, yes. it's really neat to hear. Tell me where you're at currently, um, where your family is at currently, and um, what your what your work looks like right now. Yes. Well, four of our girls are out of the house, which is amazing. Uh, our oldest daughter is married and doing well. She actually, in large part because of what went on in our home, she is a behavioral therapist and works with kids with autism. Wow. So uh, she wouldn't be doing what she was doing if she had to survive what went on in our home. Mm -hmm. she, very passionate about kids with autism and uh, just love working with them. Mm -hmm. um, our second daughter is uh, living out of state, married a gentleman who is in the Navy. She is just now going through counseling to work through what went on in our home. And it was, it's been a huge struggle for her. Um, she's realizing that she has autism and is really struggling working through that, but she's doing really well. Mm -hmm. Our third daughter left our home when she was 18, and got married, very not a good situation, had a baby. She had another baby, got pregnant six weeks after the first one was born, um, and just put that baby up for adoption about, about eight weeks ago. Um, the baby right now has COVID-19, the baby she has at home right now, mm -hmm. struggling. Um, she has never used drugs, she's staying clean, she's got a job, uh, but it's a hard life for her. Mm -hmm. And But she's doing, you know, normally I would say for her, she normally would have been on drugs and doing horribly. But right now, she, because of all of the interventions that we were able to do with her, you know, she attempted suicide at least four times. She was inpatient five times. She spent probably almost two years inpatient, but she's doing amazingly well. She has bipolar. She is not on her medication. We go up and down and up and down, but she's surviving and she's taking great care of her child. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of successes there. Our fourth daughter is a junior in, at OU, majoring in microbiology, and she's the one who has autism and is doing amazingly well. She's getting ready to get married. Mm -hmm. Our fifth daughter is still at home um, and she's working hard. We, uh, we, we <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. She's 12 and uh, we're making progress. 
Wow. And right now, I still just work primarily individually with families through mm-hmm. all of this. Uh, my health took a serious turn for the worse. Um, I, when I talk to families and moms in particular, I explain to them that your health has got to take a primary role because mine didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sacrificed my health in a lot of ways. I did not take care of myself. And as such, I've developed a lot of significant health issues. And I hear that from a lot of families where they've gone through eight to 10 years of severe trauma. Mm-hmm. And the parents, the mom in particular, ends up with a lot of uh, secondary trauma issues. Mm-hmm. I'm in counseling now, but I've ended up with a lot of autoimmune issues. Um, I have lupus now. I have all kinds of problems. So I have really had to take a step back now and begin to take care of my own health, mm-hmm. uh, which is hard. So I deal mostly now with individual families and talking and working with individual families if I can. I haven't been able to teach for a while. But I hope to get back there again. It's just taking time. Yeah. So I talk to a lot of moms about self-care and how important that is because they don't want to end up where I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. They it's, need to take care of themselves. It's always good to have a mentor. You know, all the resources that you had in OFN, you know, they were your mentor and they equipped you in order to be someone else's mentor. And that's, you know, and then what you're doing is going to carry on with that next mom who's going to be a mentor to the next. And um, I just feel like that's how we were made to work is helping one another. You know, and it's, everything is worth it. When I have a mom come to me and say, you know, my adoption did fail because I've learned from you things that I could do rather than just saying, I can't do this, DHS, take this kid back. Mm -hmm. And when those adoptions continue, when those families stay together and not have to turn the child over to the state, those are things that just make everything worthwhile. Mm -hmm. When families stay together and function together, that is worth it. Yeah. And so, you know, as we conclude um, this really valuable conversation that we've had, and it's, you know, been very enlightening, what are some of your hopes and dreams of um, where mental health and will go from here? And what do you foresee it for families? And what would you wish that you had or could have been told? And, you know, just kind of sum it all up and your hopes and dreams. My hope is that mental health becomes something that just becomes part of a daily conversation in society, that it is a normal part of everyday conversation in our school systems, in our families, in our churches, so that it's not, it's not written off as something that we can't talk about. It's getting better, but people have got to feel like they can tell people when they're depressed, when they're anxious, when they're upset about something. And until we get to that point where it's not, it doesn't have a stigma attached to 
do it. We are going to continue to lose lives with suicide. We're going to continue to have families fall apart. We're going to continue to have moms say, I thought I was all alone. I thought I was a bad parent. And families don't need to be there. Parents need to know, moms need to know that they're not alone. It's not their fault. You know, this is a chemical imbalance in the brain. This is no one's fault. And you're good parents. These kids are good kids. It's something going wrong in the brain. It's not their fault. Mm -hmm. And i that's where I want families to be. I want them to know it's not their fault. It's okay to get help. Yes, I agree. So I guess one final question is, is that, you know, there's a family similar to you, um, a mom struggling. Uh, what can you give like simple steps, what she should do from here if she's listening and what you'd suggest? I would first suggest that you sit down and talk to your child and first find out, I want to know how, what, where is the child? First thing I want to know is, is the child suicidal? Yeah, that's always the first question. And I always talk to parents to know the basics. If ask your child, is your child suicidal? You are not going to make that child commit suicide by asking them if they're suicidal. They, you need to know that. And that's a myth that mm -hmm. if you ask them, they're going to commit suicide. That's a myth. Mm -hmm. So you ask them, are you feeling suicidal? Are you feeling like just giving up and being done with life? However you want to word that, ask them. If they tell you yes, then you need to get help. If they tell you yes, and then you ask them, do you have a plan? They tell you, yes, I have a plan. I'm going to um, swallow a bottle of pills. I'm going to shoot myself. I'm going to hang myself. If they have a plan, you need to get help. But... Do not transport them yourself to the hospital. Call the police and ask for a CIT officer. That's a crisis intervention trained officer. They will come to your home. They will transport your child. I tried to transport my suicidal child to the hospital one time. She attempted to jump out of the car. I have another relative attempted a transport to the hospital. He tried to jump out of the car. Do not try to transport a suicidal person to the hospital on your own. Contact the police, ask for a CIT officer. So the first thing I want to know is how serious is this? Is the child suicidal? If they're not suicidal, if they are a threat to themselves or others, are they pulling a knife on you? Are they, uh, you know, knocking holes in your walls? Are you having to lock yourself in your bedroom because they're threatening you? If they are, you need to call the police. That is not a situation that you need to live in. If they're threatening you or they're threatening somebody else, you need to call a CIT officer. That is not the way you need to live. Um, other than that, if those threats are not happening, then you sit down and go, okay, let's talk about some things that are happening. What are some of the symptoms that are happening? How are these things, what's going on? You can get some of that symptom information on NAMI's website, NAMI, um, National Alliance on Mental Illness. You can look up some of those symptoms, see what's going on, and then you can contact the therapist 
and find a good therapist that you think might help your child. And it's okay to interview those therapists. Talk to them ahead of time. Call them on the phone. Find out if there's a good fit or go see them one time without your child. Find out if they're a good fit for your child and see what's going on. If you don't think they're a good fit, go find somebody else. That's okay. You can do that mm -hmm. and find a good fit for your child and, and find counseling. But you know, it's okay if your child has to go inpatient for a short time to be stabilized. That's okay. They can work on medication. They can help them with that. So it's okay to look outside yourself. You do not have to keep that child in your home all the time if they're threatening you. That's okay. And you can work through those things and get help for those things. So, and again, you're not a bad parent for doing those things. Mm -hmm. It's okay to get help outside your home. In fact, that makes you a better parent for getting help. It does. It does. And there is help out there for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. Well, you know, Deanne, I really appreciate this conversation. You know, I haven't um, necessarily had um, been impacted, you know, the same way you have, but I truly, my heart goes out and I mean, the strength that you have and so many other families have, um, it's admiring. And I appreciate you coming to the table and talking um, about this topic. And like you saying, like you said, take the stigma away from mental health. Um, it's so important. The only way we can take stigma away is to continue talking about it um, more openly and, um, and, just naturally so it's just a conversation and there's nothing to be afraid of um you know the beauty of it is if you talk to your kids about it my children while they were still in high school prevented three suicides wow because they knew they knew how to talk about it mm -hmm. they knew how to ask ask the question they do what to do. They know the suicide hotline number. They have it on their phone. Mm -hmm. I walk, helped walk them through it. They knew the flags. They knew the red flags. And they knew to take the step to make the phone calls. And two of those suicides that were uh, prevented were my daughter, who had bipolar, who was home after being inpatient. Wow. Because she recognized those red flags. Wow. So I'm telling you, there is hope. There is hope, even for those kids who are, you think they'll never turn around. Mm -hmm. There is hope. Yeah. I mean, you tell me where your kids are at now, like from where you told me in the beginning, I was like, yes. I mean, 180. So, yes. um, yeah, that's just amazing, inspiring. And, um, do you have any final words that um, you feel like you weren't able to share before we go? No, just okay. hang in there and there is hope. Just reach out to OSN, NAMI. There is hope out there. You are not a bad parent. Well, get, remember that. Yeah, I um, echo that. And I appreciate it. And I thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of We Saved You a Seat. Oklahoma Family Network promotes family-centered care and provides tools so families can make informed decisions, advocate for improved services, build connections among families, and serve as a trusted resource and healthcare 
of children and young adults. If you would like to become a supporting family or be in touch with another family, please contact Oklahoma Family Network by visiting oklahomafamilynetwork.org or by calling 405-271-5072.